I would say he's exaggerating, but we all know he isn't. <laughs> uh, boy, it's great to be back, y'all. It's, it, it really is fun to, to be able to be here and to be in the pulpit again. This is, um, I, I consider this church um, one of the most formative places in my walk with God, and I learned so much, and, and so many of you were so gracious to me uh, in that learning process. And so I'm excited that we get to learn together this morning from Scripture. And uh, Stephen uh, got in touch with me a while ago, and, and he let me know that y'all are looking through the Psalms, and, and you're seeing the uh, fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, those, those things that the Spirit brings about in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness self-control, all those fruits of the Spirit that are made manifest in us when we have the Spirit through Jesus Christ. And so this morning we're going to be looking at goodness. And we're going to be looking at goodness through the lens of Psalm chapter 71. And uh, the Psalms, you probably know this, is the prayer book uh, for the church. And, And it actually, for the first few centuries of the church, this was probably, these 150 books were probably the only scripture that if you were a follower of Christ back then that you would have. And, and this is meant to be a prayer book. It's meant to be sung. And John Calvin talked about it and he described the Psalms this way. He said, the design of the Holy Spirit was to deliver the church a common form of prayer. And what I find so remarkable about that quote when it relates to the Psalms is this. When you read the Psalms, Every possible human emotion that you can experience, whether you're a Christian or not, are found in there. You'll find goodness, you'll find blessing, you'll find praising, you'll find glory, you'll find all of these wonderful things. And you're also going to see things like, where are you, God? What happened? What in the world are you doing right now? I don't see you. I don't, I, I, I'm not even sure you know me because if my circumstances are based, if, if what I'm experiencing right now is your goodness, I'll take something else. Thanks very much. And so in that, it's just remarkable to me that the God of the universe says, it's okay for you to feel that from time to time. You have permission to question. It may even help to yell every once in a while. But God can handle it. He can handle it when we don't know what we don't know and when we don't know what He's doing in our life. And so when we read this Psalm, chapter 71, this morning, what you're seeing is is in these verses, 15 to 24, David's doing two things. He's looking at his past and he's reflecting on his life. And he's reflecting on God's goodness in his life. But then the second thing is he's doing is that when he looks at his present circumstances and then he considers the future, what's going to happen in his life, that he resolves to do something. And so those are the two things that we're going to look at this morning. And understand, uh, St. Augustine talks about uh, one of the things that he said about Scripture was is that Scripture finds us. I don't know where this passage finds you this morning. Everybody in this room, everybody tuning in online, I'm sure that there's a variety of circumstances that this passage is going to find us in this morning. And so wherever it finds us, let's look at it the way that David, as as it found him when he was writing this. Let's see how God and the Holy Spirit uses this in our lives and in our heart as he did in David. So, Jen, if you could come up and read, that'd be great. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. From Psalm 71. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. And to this day I declare, your, since my youth, God, you have taught me. And to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, who is like you, God? Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praise to you with the lyre, Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have delivered. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long, for those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. This is the word of the Lord. If you're like me, you can get bogged down in the what-ifs of life. Um, your mind can begin to wander. It always happens to me uh, when I'm driving or when I'm by myself. But uh, it, it start, my mind will begin to wander and think about all of the things that might have been if, my, if, if things had been different in my life. What if I'd grown up in a different town? How might I be different? What if I'd majored in a different subject at school? What if I... What if I hadn't roomed with the guy that I roomed with that became my best friend in college? What if? What if I hadn't met my spouse at that party? Or the church gathering or wherever it was that we met? <laughs> what if I'd taken another job? The possibilities, are you like me? The possibilities are endless of all of your and my unled lives, aren't they? And sometimes that can be fun, you know, to think about. Sometimes that can be an escape from the circumstances that you find yourselves in, but there are endless possibilities. And so when I'm, when I'm feeling especially introspective about those things, I turn to the source of, of all wisdom that I have found in my life, and that's 1980s pop music. And there was a band called The Talking Heads, and there was a song that they wrote in the early 80s. It was called Once in a Lifetime. Anybody know that song? Raise your hand. Okay, you know that song. David Byrne is the lead singer. He's writing a reflection that actually is very similar to what David is talking about here in Psalm chapter 71. What might have happened if? So this is, this is how the first, uh, first verse goes. Feel free to sing along if you know this. You may find yourself living in a shotgun shack, and you may find yourself in another part of the world, and you may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile, and you may find yourself in a beautiful house with a beautiful wife. And you may ask yourself, well, how did I get here? 
And in Psalm 71, the David of the Bible is reflecting on the same thing that David Byrne of the Talking Heads is asking in this song. What is happening? What is going on? How did I get here? Where is all of this headed? What does this mean? And he does this by doing two things. He reflects on God's goodness from his past. And then he resolves in his present and his future to be faithful to God, come what may. And so I want to look at those two things this morning. Reflecting on the goodness of God and then resolving to be faithful, come what may. So let's look at those two things. First thing, reflecting. Um, If you've been to church, if you know your Bible at all, I don't probably have to make the case for you that David did some living. I mean, the the story of David in the Bible is one of the most amazing stories that that you can read in, in any part of human history, much less a holy book like Scripture. And we know that David, he nurtured a unique relationship with God. We learn that from the Psalms and from the Old Testament. And so in nurturing that in Psalm 71, he begins to reflect on his past. And we see this right away, right out of the gate. In verses 1 and 2, we didn't read those, but... Just so you know, he starts out, he says, In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Rescue me and deliver me. So right out of the gate, David is saying, God has been my rescuer and my deliverer and my refuge. And he knows that that is true of God because of what he's been through up to this point in his very eventful life. God was was David's refuge in 1 Samuel 17 when he faced Goliath. God was his rescuer when he was on the run from King Saul in 1 Samuel 21. God delivered him in military victories. We read throughout the Old Testament from the Amalekites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Moabites, the Philistines, the Syrians, on and on and on. And he's reflecting on God's goodness and in meeting him in those places in his past. God protected David when he was a boy, shepherding flocks in the pasture, And God protected him when he was fighting his enemies on the battlefield as a king. God was good. And David reflects on that goodness. And he reflects on his blessings. But David's life wasn't only blessings. If you know your Bible, you know that too. His life was full of sin and failures, wasn't it? Just to bring up a few. His adulterous affair with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel 11. He was responsible for the death of her husband, Uriah. In fact, if David had done all of that sin and that one thing in 2 Samuel 11 on the Sabbath, he would have broken all ten commandments in one fell swoop. One sin. And we read it more than once in the Bible. That's what I love about the Bible. It's so honest. It's so honest about the sins and the failures of people. And about us too. And, and it just wasn't in 2 Samuel 11. You read in the Old Testament, David was a disaster as a parent. He was a train wreck. From the accounts in 2 Samuel 13 of Amnon and Tamar to Absalom and Adonijah in 2 Samuel 14, we see his kids running amok in the Old Testament. He's not just reflecting on the good stuff. He's reflecting very honestly on the bad stuff too. Maybe he was busy fighting other battles. Maybe he was too busy building his own kingdom. Whatever the reasons, he's reflecting on both the good and the bad in his life. These are examples. This is what he talks about in verse 20 that Jen just read. He talks about the many and bitter troubles that God has allowed him to see in his life. Now, many of you know me fairly well. I know many of you fairly well. 
and most of us have done some living. And so I don't have to make the case for you. I don't have to describe for you what it means in the Hebrew when it says many and bitter troubles because I know you've experienced them. And so have I. We know that. And, and I want you to think back. I want you to think back to all of the times that you were delivered from those many and bitter troubles. I want you to think back to those times that seemed the most dark and the most hopeless, where you couldn't see to the end of them or how you were going to make it through or how God could possibly call himself good when you were in the middle of it. Because David's doing the same thing. He's reflecting on his past, and he does so to remind us that we made it through those times. We made it through those times, and it wasn't chance. It wasn't happenstance. It wasn't luck. It wasn't your clever handling or my clever handling of the situation. It was entirely because of God's goodness that you were delivered. Entirely. Because he, just like David, is our rescuer, and he is our refuge, and he's our deliverer too. We see this at the end of verse 20 where he says, he says, you will restore my life again. Y'all listen, (laughs) when you look to the past, when you see that pain, you can go at it one of two ways, I think. There's probably more, but I'm a black and white, very simple guy. You can either look at it with bitterness and frustration, or you can look at it Acknowledge the brokenness that exists in this world and in our lives and see God's love and His goodness shining through those things and how He he was at work and how He is at work in you. David's doing the same thing. He's reflecting on his past. That's the first thing he does in this passage. Second thing that he does is that he resolves. Now, and again, when you read this psalm, David is very honest about his life and he's very honest by extension. When we read it, it, it's honest about ours. And and in his reflections on the good and the bad, the ups and the downs, the twists and the turns, David, he is resolving himself to not be a bitter, cynical, angry old man. Most commentators believe that this psalm was written at the end of David's life, and he's he's looking back. Now, I, I just turned 50, confounding medical science and law enforcement. There's many people that can't believe that this took place. But even at 50 years old, I get it. I'm on the back nine. I'm looking back. And even in those moments where I see even the most painful and hard things in my life, you have a choice. You have a choice to take the promises of God. Even when, sort of back in verse 15, when David said this, I just noticed this. When he says, uh, My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. What David is saying is, is that I'm not even sure I can make sense of all of the good and the bad that's happened in my life, but I'm going to tell about them. I'm going to tell about how you came through for me, God, because you were good. That's what he's saying. And so he's resolving to not be that angry, bitter, cynical old man. And he's resolving to continue to remember God's goodness, again, by looking at his present circumstances and then his future circumstances. So let's look at those for just a minute. His present circumstances. In verses 4 and in verses 13 and in verse 20, what you read in the verb tenses in the Hebrew there is, is that what it indicates is that David is still in the middle of some sort of upheaval. He's still in the middle of something. It sounds like more people are after him. 
In verse 4, he's asking God to deliver him now. In verse 13, put my accusers to shame now. In verse 20, he says, from the depths of earth, you will bring me up. He's still in it in his present circumstances. We're not entirely sure historically what it was at that moment in his life, but he's in it. And whatever it was, look at what he does. He resolves to wait on God to deliver him because he's been able to reflect on his past. And he knows that God did before and he will again because that's God's character. That's what he does. He's in the resurrection business. He's in the business of making all things new again. And David knows that. And so he's reading that and he's resolving to believe that and hold on to that in his present, whatever the it that he was in the middle of. Now, I don't know where everybody is today. We all haven't had a chance to visit and catch up. And online, for those of you who are tuning in, I don't know where you are either, but in a group this size, somebody's in it. And I don't know what it is for you, but you're in it. And if you're not in it, you'll probably be in it soon. Because <laughs> this is a broken world, and we are broken people. But the story doesn't end there. And David knows that. And that's why he's able to resolve, even in the middle of the it that he's in, the circumstances, he's able to resolve, and he puts it squarely into God's hands. Because he knows from his experience that it's not up to him. It's not up to David to make it right. It's up to God. David's job is to be faithful and to be obedient and to walk in the paths that God has created for him because he knows that God is good and that he will meet and supply his needs. Now, here's the trick. When I say that, it's, when I'm not in it, it's easier for me to say that. But when I'm in the middle of a difficult circumstance, I'm just like David. And, and this again, it's what's so wonderful about the Psalms and about God giving us permission. You can yell. David yells. You can disagree. You can even question whether or not God loves you. You have permission from the Psalms. You have permission when you're in it to do that, but don't stop there. Don't stop there. You're cheating yourself because you're not connecting to the eternal character of God's goodness and His faithfulness to you. Because God is faithful and He is good. He's shown us that in the past. He's shown it in David's past. He shows us that wherever we are in it today, in our present. And there's one other place he shows that it's in the future. This is David resolving in his future. You read in this passage, in the 24 verses of Psalm 71, David resolves. He says, I will, seven times. When he's in it, he resolves in seven times. And this is what he says he will do. I will praise you. I will proclaim your mighty acts. I will always have hope. I will sing praise. I will, I will, I will. David doesn't know what's next any more than you or I do. We were just reminded of this earlier this week. We're, he's fine, but our son Riley got into a, a car accident, as you do in Atlanta. We get the call. I'm in a meeting. Hey, Dad, I'm in an ambulance. I'm like, why? <laughs> Well, I was in a car accident. You okay? I think so. Well, why don't we let the doctors decide? You don't know what's next. Just like that, everything can change. 
But will you resolve, as David does, that come what may, that you will look at the character of the God that you serve, the God that has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ and in each other and in this world, and will you resolve to be rooted in him and in his character, even when the storms come, even when we don't know how it could get worse, if it will ever get better, and what's he going to do? The courage to be able to face those times and the peace that you can have in the middle of those storms when everything else seems to be falling apart, that has to be rooted in something beyond our circumstances. It has to be rooted beyond my clever handling of the situation or chance or happenstance. It has to be rooted in something else. It's rooted in a person. It's rooted in Jesus Christ who came and who lived and who died so that we could weather the storms. Because it's stormy out there, y'all. Whether you're a believer or not, it's stormy. Where will you go? What will you resolve to do in those circumstances? David believed that God was good, and because of that, look at what the Holy Spirit led him to, to write for us to read this morning. Jesus believed that God is good, and we read in the Garden of Gethsemane in the Gospels that he goes to God three times before he's arrested and he says, are you sure there isn't another way? And after those three questions, he, you remember what he says? Not my will, but yours be done, Father. Paul believed it. And it's what led him to write in the book of Romans in, verse eight, in chapter 8, verse 28, that all things work together for the good for those who are in Christ Jesus. Y'all, this is not a chirpy Christian bookstore greeting card mouse pad sensibility, y'all. This is bedrock. This is bedrock for the Christian life that you must drill into and anchor yourself in because the storms are coming or the storm may be here. Resolving to reflect on God's goodness in your past and in your present, and in your future, and allowing that to anchor you. God's shown us His goodness and the love of Jesus. He's shown us how it is that even though He suffered, that we will join Him in His sufferings, but we will be raised in the power of His resurrection too. I don't know how the it that you're in is going to come out, and neither do you. But do you know Him? Because He's with you. One of the saddest days in music history was on January 14th, 1978. No, it wasn't a plane crash. Uh, it wasn't when some famous musician overdosed. It was when the band The Sex Pistols imploded in San Francisco. It was the result of tension that had been building between the lead singer Johnny Rotten and Malcolm McLaren, the band's manager. They'd set out on a North American tour that was absolutely a train wreck. They, they rode around America in a crummy bus, Johnny Rotten, the lead singer, had a terrible flu. Sid Vicious, the lead guitar, I think he was lead guitar, right, or bass? I don't know, he played one of those things. He had a raging heroin addiction, but that wasn't the saddest part. The saddest part was they had finally gotten to the last show at the Winterland Hotel, or Winterland Ballroom in San Francisco, and Johnny Rotten knew that this was it. It was a wrap. He was done, he was checking out, the band was over. And so they play their full set, they play the encore, and then he says, this is the last thing he says on stage with that band. He looks out at the crowd and he says, 
Ever get the feeling you've been cheated? And then he says, good night. When you reflect on the life, not the unled lives, not the life that you wish you had, not not the life that God should have given you if he was good, but the life that you have, when you reflect on that, there's a question this morning. Do you feel as if you've been cheated? Is God a giver or is God a taker? With all that you have experienced in your life, do you feel cheated? Well, if you do, and you might, because I have, and probably will again, you're in good company because David felt that too in the Psalms. One of the most amazing words that you will find in the Psalms is when David is saying, where are you? I don't know what's going on. I don't like this. This, is, this hurts. We see it in verse 14 here in chapter 71. And you see it all throughout Scripture. It's the word, but. You have permission to go to God with wherever you are, with the it that you're in. And you can be as earthy as you want. He can take it. But what we see David doing when he says, but, when you read everything that comes after that in those Psalms, you will read some of the most amazing professions of faith about the character and the goodness and the persistent love of God. And David is reflecting on all of those things. And he's given that, the Holy Spirit through David has given that to us so that you can say it too. Is it hard? Yes. Could it get harder? Quite possibly. But he is good. The ultimate it that happened in this world was when death came into this world. That is the ultimate reality that cannot be overcome this side of heaven except for one person and Jesus Christ. And God has overcome sin and death. The worst it that any of us can face in this life, He has overcome it in Jesus Christ. And if you are a believer in Him this morning, that power is in you. Any it, you can do it. Not you. Y'all. You and Him. That's how it's designed. That's what David is talking about in this passage. Reflecting and resolving. You're still in the fight. No matter where you find yourself, you are still in the race this morning if you're found in Him. That's the goodness of God. Let's pray together. Father, uh, most of the time, uh, I only think you're good is when you're doing things on my timing and my terms. And uh, I make decisions and I ask you to ratify them. And Father, I, I think we probably all do that to some extent in this room. And we, we come before you with our hands open and we give these things back to you. Whatever the it we're in this morning, we give it back to you. And we rest in you knowing that you are good. God, let our hearts and let our minds and let our emotions and let everything else in our life catch up to that reality. So that it's not just something that we think, it's not just something that we say, but it's who we are and it's how we live. Because we know it's true of you. And we thank you that you've shown us that ultimately in Jesus. That your goodness is on full display when you sent him to live and to die and to be raised again. That we look at the cross and we look at the empty tomb and we see your goodness. Father, let that go all over our lives. Father, let that be 
something that, that, just like David, we can't maybe even put it into words, but that we sense it and that we thank you for it. Let us live out of that power and that love and that goodness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.